Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders, and here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets, where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. We pray your blessings upon us as we study. We pray, Father, that everyone who listens to this podcast, everyone who who's, uh, strives to understand, uh, that you will help to, you'll help to open their minds and their hearts as they, as they watch and as they listen and as they read through the text that we give to them. Father, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the technology. Thank you for Lee and his willingness to be up here and do what he does. And, and for Sarah, for, for her willingness to... To, to edit and do all the work that she does. And we just pray your blessings upon all of us, Father, as a team, as we work through this and as we strive to get better. Father, help us through the, navigate through this text this morning and help us, Father, to, to teach it in a way where people can understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in uh, Numbers chapter 6. Uh, we're, gonna, we're doing exactly what we said we weren't going to do. Well, I don't know. We're still not going verse by verse. I mean, we are going chapter by chapter, but it's not verse yeah. by verse. It seems uh, like we're ever going to get chapter 11. Well, but we get them moving. It, it finally get them moving. So, but anyway, it's all good. It's all. Good. I think it's that, you know, like we did last week and like this week. It's important. You know what we're talking about is important. You know what we talked about last week is important. You know the 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 uh, the the purity of the camp we talked about a couple weeks mm-hmm. before. You know uh, all of that. The 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 idea of the sacrifice and what that meant. That that's that's all important. It all. It, I think this is important too because I think in our culture today, I think we have a we have a letdown of ethics and morals. And this uh, this what we're going to talk about today f- goes right in the face of the ethical. What's what's ethical in our lives today? That's right. What they're what they're talking. I about. mean, it it what it should tell us is God cares about the ordering of his people mm-hmm. you know it's not you know a lot of people want to look at christianity especially in within you know protestant traditions specific protestant traditions and they want to look at christianity as it's this individualistic free willing free wheeling expressive god cares god god wants me to be happy type type situation and uh no no uh that's that's god really doesn't care if you're happy god wants you to obey yeah and wants you to be joyful wants you to be happy because you are doing what god expects you to do and if you obey as, as you obey you you learn how to trust him that's right for the thing for the necessities that that will eventually make you happy if your if your happiness is coming from 
a, a, a legitimate biblical spiritual place. Well, James would say, you know, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face various trials, because yeah. the, these testings of your faith produce perseverance. So it's it's having it's receiving joy and being happy from a, a biblical perspective, mm-hmm. not from a worldly perspective. And so, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. These these chapters are incredibly important. What we're going to talk about today is incredibly important. Well, why don't you why don't you explain yeah, to them what we're what we're talking about here? Let's what, let's is... get into it. My phone, I think my phone just. Beep something. Um, something beep. Anyway, so Numbers chapter. Well, I've got six. mine on. I've got some things that I have to catch if it if it rings. So, Sarah, I'll just have to edit it out. Yeah. I, well, I, yeah, it's not a big deal. Anyway, so we're in Numbers chapter six this morning. We're gonna start there. The Lord said to Moses again. You know, I'm gonna keep harping on it because we need to. I really feel like we need to correct this understanding of prophecy. This is prophecy here. Okay. It isn't about future events. It's thus saith the Lord. This is forth telling. So the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites. So when Moses goes to the Israelites and say, hey, this is what the Lord says, that's, it's not that's what, prophecy. Not, hey, this is what God says coming down the road. God got in a vision or a dream. That's right. Not what, no. Now, sometimes it is yeah. when, when it but he has to do with it. that. Right. He clarifies right. it. And here he clarifies, this is foretelling. This that's is, right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be a spokesman. That's what a prophet is, a spokesman for God. There you I'm going to speak to you and tell you what God told me to tell you. That's right. So Lord and said So what we're Moses, doing, what are we doing? I mean, we're doing in, the same thing in a, in a very, very real sense. And a lot of people can because we have the word of God. Yes. Right. Yeah. All right. So the Lord said to Moses in verse two, Numbers chapter six, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man or woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, they must abstain from wine and other fermented drink and must not drink vinegar made from wine or other fermented drink. They must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisins. As long as they remain under the, the Nazarite vow, they must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even the seeds or skins. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deal with the obvious conundrum that would have for some oh, people. No, we're not. Gonna uh, during the entire period of their Nazarite vow, no razor may be used on their head. They must be holy until the period of their dedication to the Lord is over. They must let their hair grow long. Throughout the period of their dedication to the Lord, the Nazarite must not go near a dead body. Even if their own father or mother or brother or sister dies, they must not make themselves ceremonially unclean on account of them, because the symbol of their de- of the, their dedication to God is on their head. There's a level of remember how Aaron was and his sons were not allowed to grieve because they had the anointing oil of the Lord, Nadab and Abihu had just died. They're not allowed to grieve, right? Um, it's a very similar concept here. This Nazarite has dedicated himself to the Lord. He's not allowed to come, and it has nothing to do with God not caring about the situation and everything to do with understand the position that you hold. Understand that what, what you are doing. You are in this position like the priest, God to the people, and the people represent the people to God. So throughout the period of the dedication, they are consecrated to the Lord. I said it, then he said it in verse 8. If someone dies suddenly in the Nazarite's presence, thus defiling the hair that symbolizes their dedication, they must shave their head on the seventh day, the day of their cleansing. Then on the eighth day, they must bring two doves or two young pigeons to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting. The priest is to offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering to make atonement for the Nazarite because they sinned by being in the presence of the dead body. That's... This is this is a huge restriction, mm-hmm. you know, and that's way out of anybody's control. Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. You just stand in a room and something happens and somebody dies, and now you're now yeah. you're you've mm-hmm. got to make atonement. They must rededicate themselves to the Lord for the same period of dedication and must bring a year old lamb as a guilt offering. 
The previous days do not count because they became defiled during their period of dedication. Now, this is the law of the Nazarite when the period of their dedication is over. They are to be brought to the entrance to the tent of meeting. Uh, there they are to present their offerings to the Lord, a year-old lamb without defect for a burnt offering, a year-old ewe lamb without defect for a sin offering, a ram without defect for a fellowship offering, together with their grain offerings and drink offerings and a basket of bread made with the finest flour and without yeast, thick loaves with olive oil mixed in and thin loaves brushed with olive oil. The priest is to present all these things before the Lord and make the sin offering and the burnt offering. He is to present the basket of unleavened bread and is to sacrifice the ram as a fellowship offering the Lord together with its grain offering and drink offering. I think at some point I'm going to be done here with this. What, what all of this entails? <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, then at the entrance, then, so after we've done all of these things, then... At the entrance to the tent of meeting, the Nazarite must shave off the hair that symbolizes their dedication. They are to take the hair and put it in the fire that is under the sacrifice of the fellowship offering. After the Nazarite has shaved off the hair that symbolizes their dedication, the priest is to place in their hands a boiled shoulder of the ram and one thick loaf and one thin loaf from the basket, both made without yeast. The priest shall then wave before the Lord as a wave offering. They are holy and belong to the priest, together with the breast that was waved and the thigh that was presented. After that, the Nazarite might, may drink wine. This is the law of the Nazarite who vows offerings to the Lord in accordance with their dedication in addition to whatever else they can afford. They must fulfill the vows they have made according to the law of the Nazarite. It's a lot. Oh, man. How important was this Was this vow how, how seriously did God take this vow? This special. This was not. This was not a normal. Uh, I I pledge myself to you. That was. This was a, a special dedication that a person went through. We have we have uh, uh, times of this that we see it in the scriptures where they did this, where certain people did this. Not everybody did it, uh, but there was there was. A, well, men uh, like Samson. Yeah, Samson. Was, it does. It's not expressly said, but um, but Samson violated his oath. Well, so. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of debate because it's not expressly said in the text that Samson was Nazarite, but people infer that from the way in which he carried himself. He had the way he had his hair and everything else. Mm -hmm. But if, I mean, if he was a Nazarite, if Samson was, there are also some major issues because he was in the presence of death. Not only was he in the presence of death, he killed a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, so he forced himself into the presence of mm -hmm. death. He touched a dead, the dead lion and stuff. So I mean, yeah. there, there were, there were a lot of issues. So, I mean, he certainly wasn't exact, a good example of a Nazarite. Some people believe John the Baptist was a Nazarite because he stayed out in the wilderness and he ate locusts and wild honey, didn't cut his hair. I think it's, I think it mentions that in the gospels. So, you know, you've got some places where you see some of these things. Paul uh, paid for a couple of men who had taken a vow. Sounds very similar to some of these strictures mm -hmm. here. So you do see it in the text. And, you know, it's, it's like everything else. There's, I mean, God doesn't halfway do anything. He cares very much. There's, there's great significance to being his servant. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, if you can't tell, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hoops to jump through here. There's a lot of stuff that you have to do here. So it's, I mean, it obviously matters to God quite a bit. Well, I mean, it's a, it, it says at the very beginning, it's a, it's a special vow of dedication. That's right. And he says, okay, if you're going to do this, then this is what you do. This is how you do it. You know, uh, I'm, I'm very specifically going to tell you how to do this. I want you to, you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this, and don't do this. And then when you're, when you're done, then you can do this, 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 and this. You know, and, and how important is all of that? Well, to God, it's extremely important to be obedient. 
You know, it still goes back to the same thing we've talked about before, to be obedient. That's right. But I want to take it from a different perspective. I want to take it about, you know, how do we how do we equate this to our to us today? Was did God did it matter to God that if you said if you're gonna dedicate yourself that you honored it? Mm. Was it was it important? Yeah. We know it was important. We we know from a, from I mean if you look at, at Numbers chapter thirty, look look all the way to Numbers chapter thirty. And it says in verse 1, Moses said to the heads of the tribes of Israel, this is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. Now, in our culture today, our culture today, the, in, in, our, in our lack of ethics today, what does a person's word mean today? Oh, very little. Give me an example. I mean... Take your pick. Uh, you want to look at politicians from the federal level, or well, do you want to look, look at let's politicians look at something from more, the local level? Let's look at something more <laughs> in line with what people. A, well, car, I mean, a car salesman. I mean, but I mean, that's 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 the point of contact. The examples that we see on a regular basis is these mm-hmm. Hollywood stars, these politicians, and I mean, they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth all the time. Yeah. I don't care if you're in Hollywood. I don't care if you're politicians. I mean, at, from a, at a local perspective, I, I absolutely see what you're saying. But this is something on full display. These are the people that are held up as, you know, America's idol. And, oh, look at this you, politician you see, and you hero You see very here. few people today in, a, in certain lines of work that people trust. Okay? Car mechanics, plumbers, electricians, home builders, remodelers. You know, there's a lot of people out there, doctors, that, that people don't trust. And they don't trust them, not because they've done anything, but because the industry in general has got a reputation of, I can't trust you what you say. You know, I was in the car business my whole life. I know car business. I know, I know, you know, and when you start, when you start listening to, you know, I, I had a, a car salesman that I considered a friend, a, a, a friend. I'd worked on his cars before. And I and I sat in, so got a sick wife at home and, and I'm concerned about her and and it uh, I told her if you got a call call me I will break through, we'll break in I won't I won't not take your call so well I don't I don't know if we'll get it edited or not but oh. I mean, and maybe maybe we won't because you know one thing that that you know let's take it a different way one thing that I value in my relationship with my wife is is I want her to know that she can trust what I tell her I made a pledge to her when, you know, 50 some odd years ago, that I would love her and cherish her, I'd honor her, I'd take care of her. And I want her to know that it still works true today. That even even when we have plans to do something, the plans may fall apart because she's because she's compromised. You know, she's health compromised now. And and I've got to be, uh, she's got to know she can trust me. And, and sadly, in our culture today, it's too easy for people to say, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I give up. I remember talking to Bobby Baxley, who's a member here. And uh, and Bobby was the one that walked me through all of this when, when it was happening to me. Because I knew he had just been through it. And he suffered with his wife for over two and a half years. Sold everything he had. He's, he's He broke because he had to sell everything he had to keep her alive. And and I and the one I was going to call, I wasn't going to call you, say, hey, what do I do with this when I'm feeling, I'm looking at my wife laying in a bed and I'm, I'm going, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I need to talk to somebody that's been there, that's looked at a wife and said, I don't know, you know, do I cut and run? You know, because that's, that's an option that people have. You know, they don't, when they give their word, it don't mean anything. Right. 
anymore. Or ethically, it don't mean anything. And God's telling, telling these guys, hey, if they're going to do this, then do it this way. And then he tells them in chapter 30, I don't care if you just make it to me or to anybody else. Make sure your word means something. You know, it's too easy anymore to, uh, to say, you know, well, I didn't really count on this. But like I was telling you before the phone rang, is uh, uh, the, uh, that uh, my, uh, this guy that I considered a good friend, I worked on his cars, and I'd bought a car from him. And, and I told him, I said, I want to buy a car from you. This is what I want. This is what I want to pay. And this is what I want for this car. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? You sell 35 cars a month. You sell more than a car a day. You can do anything you want. Anything you tell this dealership to do, you can do. And, uh, and it, you know, he, he gave me his word. He said, I'll give you this. Okay, I'll do this. And I'll do this. And I look at the contract. It's not what's on the contract. I'm not a stupid individual. I'm smart enough to see this stuff. And I said, what's this? And I looked at him and I said, and I called him my name. I said, you just lied to me. I said, you're never, ever going to see me again. I'm never going to buy another thing from you. Don't bring your cars to me. I don't want, you're a liar. And I called him a liar to his face. And I said, I'm done. And I went and bought a car from somewhere else. You know, because, because it was his, his ethics. And then after that, then I'm thinking, okay, how does he sell 35 cars a month? He lies to him. His word don't mean nothing. I talked to a guy that was working for the Nissan dealership. I don't, I'm not going to tell you where, but he was working for a Nissan dealership. And it, this was just this one dealership. Not indicative of everybody, but but he came to me and I knew him. And, and he said, and he's a he was a, a religious guy. And he said, uh, he said, Dan, I said, I thought you're working. At, oh, I can't do that anymore. I said, what do you mean? He said, Dan, I can't do what they want me to do. He said, I won't do what they want me to do. He said, I can't treat customers this way. I won't. I worked on a lady's car one time that uh, that uh, was a brand new car. I knew when she bought it. She bought a brand new. It was brand new. And uh, she wanted me to put a different radio in it. And I said, okay. And I had to pull the whole dash apart. I took this radio out and I turned the radio over and I looked down at it and it's got a little red tag on it. It says, remanufactured by so-and-so. I said, I called her by name. I said, did you? No, I didn't. She said, Dan, you're the only one that's ever worked on that car. And I said, well, here it is. She was not happy. Had a remanufactured radio on a brand new car. Brand new car. Had a remanufactured. You can't trust any of them. That's where ethics have got to. And God says, if you say you're going to, if you say something, then mean it. Yeah. yeah, I told, I told my daughter-in-law the other day, I said, you made a promise. I said, you have to honor your word. You have to. Because if you don't do that, we have nothing. We got nothing. What do we got? We'll look at society today. Nobody trusts nobody. Nobody, you know, marriages are falling apart because if they would just honor chapter 30, verse 2 of Numbers. And he said, I'll read it again. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. Yep. What did Jesus tell us in Matthew chapter 6? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Well, I, I actually, what he said is don't, don't take a vow. Don't take a pledge. Mm -hmm. Just say yes and say no. And the reason for that is because the Israelites didn't do this. Yeah, I know. They, yeah. they broke their vow. I mean, think think about it. Think about it. Moses is walking up Mount Sinai. They've been at Mount Sinai maybe a week. Mm -hmm. God, They've already told God, yeah, we're going to do this. And Moses is walking up Mount Sinai, 
And while he's up there for 40 days receiving this instruction from the Lord, they can't keep their word for, you know, the no. 40 days. They no. can't even do that. No. They immediately make an idol. They immediately break covenant with God. They break their word mm -hmm. immediately. Mm -hmm. And they, it's not even a generation later. It's them, the ones who said, yes, we'll do this. We agree to what God says. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they're, the entire history of, and this is all humanity, for how many, sake. How many people, how many times have you had in your life where somebody's broke a promise? All the time. You know, all the time. How did it affect you? I mean, give me one when, when it. Well, so you know, I don't want specific. Yeah, I just want where where someone broke their word. So I mean, it's it's what's it's, it's what I expect. It's what I expect. That's sad, Cole. I mean, it, it may I, be. I don't care. But That's it's, sad. But it's it's reality. It's just my, the way it is. My grandfather back in the sixties and seventies. Mm -hmm. I I have seen my grandfather walk up to a guy, make a promise to him. Say, we're going to do this. Shake his hand. It's done. No paper, no pen, no ink, no nothing. It's done. It's done. Right. My grandfather would have died before he didn't honor that pledge. He'd have died. That was the culture. And and look at where we are today, where nobody trusts nobody. Nobody's, nobody tells anybody the truth. You know, I mean, I mean, you look at the back of a can or back of a, of a box. You can't even trust whether that's true or not. And what I found out lately is some of it's hidden. They hide some of that stuff. Like, you know, we're really sticklers right now on, on not eating a, a lot of sugar. Right. Okay. And and so we look at that. But I found out that some of that, they hide it. And it says no added sugar, but they put it somewhere else. And they put the sweetener somewhere else. And so you, if you're not smart enough, you know, they're lying to you. They're lying about, you know, and I'm going, you know, the only thing, the only thing that I can control then is Dan. That's right. And I have to make sure that if I make a if I make a promise, that I'm going to honor the promise, you know. And it and it's 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 when I see the things going on in our world today, and I have to deal we have to we have to deal with the things that we're dealing with, and we know that people, you know, are are lying to their mates, they're lying to their children, and we know that if they would just put Jesus on and do what that means. Honor it because you make a pledge. When you say, when you, when you pledge that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, did that mean something to you? No, it didn't mean anything to most people. But did it mean something to you? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how much fun has that always been? <sighs> we just talked about one the other day, John, uh, James chapter one, consider it pure joy. Yeah. When you fall into very trial and tribulation because the testing of your faith. Yeah, it's not, that's not any fun. It's not fun. Um, but it's, it's not about me, you know, and it just, it is what it is. Like, I don't know. I, I grew up in a gener I grew up in my generation where nobody's word meant anything. People say, oh, this is what, this is what we're going to do. It's not going to happen. You know, it's just the way it is. If it, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, and that's, that's, why, that's, that's the expectation. Why, that's why you and I, you, our generations, <clears throat> because we come from different places, it's taken us a while to learn how to deal with each other. I like dealing with you, all right? But it's taken us a while to learn. I have to learn how you think different because you come from a different culture, yeah. you know, and, you're, and your walk with Jesus is going to take a different different path than mine did. <laughs> it wasn't a problem to make my yes be yes and my no be no because that's the culture I grew up in. You're having to learn that, mm -hmm. and that's different than mine was, than my walk was. So it's going to be a different process, a different walk, a different, a different uh, dynamic 
than mine was. But here he's t- saying, if you're going to make a pledge to me, you better honor the pledge. And this is what you're going to have to do. These are the, the hoops you're going to have to walk through and step through to do this the right the way I tell you to. Right, Man, it's pretty invasive. Pretty invasive, man. Well, I mean, following Christ is supposed to be an invasive thing. You know, I think Je- you're right. Jesus said, you know, when he was talking about discipleship, and, you know, I'm excited because this fall we're going to do a whole series out of the Gospel of Luke on discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things Jesus said is, you know, anyone who seeks to save their life, life will lose it. But mm-hmm. if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's supposed to be an all-consuming thing. And it's something that we're supposed to, you know, be dedicated to. And you, what you find is most people just want to use Jesus as as a new idol. You yeah, know, like you said, well, a, a Christian walk is an invasive walk. It is, yeah. You know, Jesus said it many times. He said, if, unless you deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Don't call yourself one, because you're not. He said, unless you hate your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, and even your own life, you can't have no part of me. Sure. Jesus said, Jesus said, he said, they'll know you're my disciples. How? By the love you have one for another. Sometimes we're not easy to love. Hmm. Sometimes it's difficult. But he says, that's not your call. Well, I mean, and this is why... This is why, you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day. I was doing a study with him, and they said, well, you know, all these people I've talked to said y'all are a cult. And that's not the first time I've heard that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this is why. Mm -hmm. Because we take this commitment very seriously. Mm -hmm. And we don't look like the world. And, you know, I mean, we... (laughs) You know, uh, we had somebody, you know, in the office the other day telling about some of the talking about some of the struggles that they're going through Mm -hmm. in their family. And I mean, the look of shock on my face to find out some of the things that were going on. Right. It was like it was it was horrifying. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, my gosh, how is this? How is this even possible? You know, you don't get that in a lot of other places. Mm -hmm. You know, the expectation is, well, yeah, that's just the way things are. It's the way it is. Think what it would be like. What it would be like if, if we started to put some of these ethical practices in place in our world today? How the, how would how would the how would the world change? Do you think? Well, give me give me an example of something you think might change if it if it uh, uh, if, if we started to start to apply these. I, I can't even I can't even fathom because I, at the root of this problem, the root of not keeping your word, the root of empty promises, the root of all of this is is selfish ambition. Mm-hmm. That's the root of it. It's I, I don't care about anyone but myself. And our nation is, I, and by my, my opinion, you know, and it's just my opinion, the would way it, I see things. Would our it dramatically change society? Well, again, if, if you're asking, would society dramatically change if people stopped focusing on themselves mm-hmm. and well yeah obviously okay. it would change dramatically it would be vastly different that's why heaven's going to be so good that's why it's going to be so different yeah because none of this is going to exist there there won't be any of this of this uh self-gratification there there won't be any of this of uh, you know the not saying yes and no and and meaning it it won't be any of that because the sin will not exist there sin will be eradicated and removed and it won't be there and that's why it's going to be such a wonderful place. Something that we can't wrap our mind around because we can't, you, we can't even wrap our mind around it. What would it be like here? Just in, my own, in our own life. If you, could, if you could really teach your children to say yes and no and mean it and know that they're not going to go behind your back stealing cookies and stealing whatever. And, you know, you know we found one of, your, one of your daughters had been climbing in a box eating some cookies she took. Yeah. You know, and then stood right there and said, I didn't do it. <laughs> You know, I mean, they all do it, but it's so funny when you catch them 
And yeah. and you know and and to know that that I, I want to take us to it. I want to take go to Hebrews chapter six. Uh, something that God said, and it's a, uh, it is uh, something He says. It, it starts in verse. Uh, uh, starts in well, we'll start in verse sixteen. It says people swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Okay, that's this is God's perspective. Okay, mm-hmm. when people make an oath, it puts it. You know, you I, I swear by God, I swear, you know, by on my mother's grave. You know that, and and he says first off, he says don't do that. Jesus says just let's say yes and no, but if you're going to do it, then honor it. And he says, and he says, uh, uh, it, it should end all argument because God wanted to make the unchangeable nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. You know, what were the two? He promised it and he swore it. He said, I promise you I'm going to do this and I swear on an oath on it. God can't lie. So we look at God's promise and we know that they they knew that they could hang on to this and I can hang on to what God said and know that it's not going to change. That's right. People need to know that they can hang on to it no matter what happens. It's not going to change because I said it. But how difficult is that for people to understand when verse 16, which is referring to the way they viewed things then, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. the way your generation maybe Mm -hmm. viewed things. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said, and look at what it says, and puts an end to all argument. Mm -hmm. I walk into a doctor's office today, and my doctor says, this is the way it is. I laugh. You know what they call the guy who graduates at the bottom of the med school class? A doctor. A doctor, yeah. I laugh. I don't trust him. I don't trust anything he says. I walk into, I don't, I don't care. I walk into a lawyer's office. I listen to a judge. I listen to a politician. I listen to some Hollywood star. I listen to people in my life and they say, this is the way it is. I don't believe any of them. That's not true. People swear all day long and it means nothing in my generation. Mm-hmm. You know what I, you know what I like to, when I was at, uh, when I was at school and we were talking about it, we were in the missions program. We were talking about creating vision and creating mission. I had a real hard time with it. And I had a real hard time with it because I said, when people tell me what their mission is, when people tell me what their vision is, that's how they're lying to me. When McDonald's tells me that my safety as a customer comes first, I can't stop laughing. That's such nonsense. And we went through we went through an entire pandemic where that's what our, all these businesses were saying. What matters to us, what's the most important thing is your safety. Yeah, if that's the most yeah, important thing, shut up shop. Shut up your shop, close it down, and move on. Because I could die in a car accident coming to pick up a Whataburger. Yeah. Don't lie to me. Yeah. But everybody, that's what everybody does. They lie through their teeth all the times. When McDonald's tells me, and look, I'm just using them as examples, okay? I'm not saying any specific anything. But when McDonald's tells me that my safety as a customer is is the most important thing, and then that poor old lady back in the 90s who spilt coffee all over herself, when they asked them, well, would you please just cover the medical bills? And McDonald's said, no, we're not responsible for that. We're not doing nothing. They had to sue McDonald's. And then what? come to find out, there were people all over the country who were spilling, who were getting third degree burns from McDonald's coffee. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they were keeping it too hot. They knew it was a problem and they didn't care. Oh, but your my safety, the customer's safety is the most important thing. Dan... 
people in my generation, and here's the thing, it's not really just my generation, because these are people from your generation. Mm -hmm. Nobody's lived up to this. No, I'm not, and I and I know that. But but what I'm saying is is that there was a there was an ethical side of people's lives that they honored to a, to a great extent. In some people's. In some people. In some people. In, in way more way more people than today. I think I think the difference is this, Dan. I don't think it was any more amount of people who kept their word in your generation than mine. I think the difference is my generation has learned to expect it. Mm. And it's not from people in my generation. It's not my, my generation doesn't run McDonald's. Mm -hmm. My generation doesn't run all these. My generation is not the one running around mm -hmm. making fools of themselves, running the CDC and the NIH and all these other well, people. I think you started to see it fall apart, you know, really in the late 60s, early 70s, when you start to see it fall apart, when you start to see the ethics and the morality. I think if we look apart. at it historically, mm -hmm. I think we see it. In every generation, probably right. I think we see this decline in every nation. Mm. This is why, you know, when God looked at Abraham in Genesis, he looked at Abraham and he said, you know, your descendants, your descendants will come up and inherit this land. Yeah. This Genesis chapter 15. Yeah. Your descendants will come inherit this land. Why my descendants? Why not Abraham himself? Mm. Why? Because well, the sin of the Amorites, the sin of the people currently living in the land is not yet complete. I think what we what we can take from from this and, and what what we need to take from from this is is that God God expects us to be ethical sure. and to be moral, to be godly. He says, you be holy as I am holy. That's right. And if God makes an oath or God makes a promise and you know you can trust him to honor it, then people ought to be able to know they can trust us. You know, that's what the whole thing was about this Nazareth. You know, people were going to know if this guy started growing his hair out and he couldn't drink any, any fermented drink, couldn't be around dead bodies, they were going to know that he'd made a special vow. And what a difference that makes. Yeah. Think about what we we're just talking about in the culture and the way we see it. Mm -hmm. And what a difference that makes when the people of God actually let their yes be yes and no be no. What's the response? Well, I think we've heard it. We've heard it from the naysayers. What do they say? Oh, well, you guys are a cult. Well, why yeah. do you think we're a cult? Because we're not like the world. Yeah. What do people say when they come in here on Sunday? What are they constantly saying? Man, you guys love each other. I, I had a guy just the other day. He said, thank you for being so welcoming. Thank you for welcoming me here. You know, and he was a, he was a guy that, that I, I had not seen before. All right. Father in heaven, thank you so much for for all the, the wonderment of life. And thank you for the, the wonderment of, of your presence in our lives. Help us to learn from you, Father. Helps to learn what kind of people we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be godly, ethical, moral, uh, holy people. Help us to do that, Father. If the people call us names, so be it. You know, if they if that's what how it makes them feel good, okay, that's fine. But I want our hearers to understand that you that you require of us, you expect us to let our yes be yes and our no be no, and and to just be that simple because we're learning it from you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.